Teacher's Cup of Coffee. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Our listenership is going up every week. We so appreciate you listening, giving us a shot. We're hoping to be a shot of caffeine for you every other week, and we really appreciate you sharing us out and spreading the word because we're having a lot of fun here on the Teacher's Cup of Coffee, and hopefully we're making your practice maybe a little bit better, a little bit more reflective, and at least giving you new ideas and new thoughts you can possibly run with. This week, we're going to be looking at a thing called Genius Hour. Um, This stems from a great article in Educational Leadership Magazine from March. The article is written by John Spencer, and it's all about this idea of Genius Hour and presenting this to kids so they can sort of roll with it and lead their own learning. There's also a great book I really like called Pure Genius by a man named Don Wetrick, where he really looks at Genius Hour and how it worked in his classroom. Quote unquote from John Spencer, Genius Hour begins with the idea that students should actively create their learning rather than passively consume it. That's a big idea, huge idea, that students should be creating their own learning rather than receiving it from us. So what is it? What is Genius Hour? Well, students choose topics or themes based on their own interests or passion. They research these topics or themes. They define a problem. They design a solution. They create the solution. They actually build it, whether it be a presentation or whether it be a graphic design or whether it just be something they build out of clay. They actually build the solution. Then they reflect and they improve their creations. All of this learning feeds directly off of their intrinsic motivation because they're they're studying a topic or a theme that they are interested in. Where did Genius Hour come from anyways? Well, it came from a couple places, but namely the place that made it most famous is Google. Google, as so many of us know, when they, especially in the early years of their company, they forced all of their engineers to spend 20% of their time working on projects that they choose to work on. So four out of five days of the week, they would do their jobs for Google. And then one day a week, or at least the the equal of one day a week time-wise, they were just expected to create things and to design things and to do things that they wanted to do. And this Google 20% time, as it was called, it has led to such inventions as Google Maps, Gmail, all sorts of these huge Google constructs now that weren't like a plan. They came out of the 20% time. I have actually toured Google myself. I think I've said that on a previous pod. And when you walk around Google, it's like you're walking around a science fair. Throughout the hallways and open spaces of Google, there are actually all these projects that people are working on in their 20% time. Another thing that was invented during this type of time was the sticky note. Imagine that, the company 3M, they gave their employees, they said, we need some new ideas, take some time, just come up with some new ideas, don't, don't, don't have to propose them to us or anything, just think and do things. And the sticky note actually came out of that time and was invented due to such a thing as Genius Hour. And you know, to be honest, this type of thinking is what students need in the real world more than anything else. Genius Hour depends on design thinking, as John Spencer says, design thinking. Students follow their curiosity, create something, test it, improve it, test it, then present it to others. This design thinking, that's what the world calls for now. We don't regurgitate anymore. We create 
based on problem solving. We design things, we improve them, and we show them to others. John Spencer provides a great acronym, a great idea for sort of how to lead this. Because, you you know, even though it's open-ended time for students fit into their school day, you know, there, there has to be a structure and sort of a process that they go through. And he came up with the launch cycle, L-A-U-N-C-H cycle. L stands for look, listen, and learn. A stands for ask tons of questions. U, understand the process or problem. N, navigate ideas. C, create a pro prototype. And H, highlight and fix. Let's go through those a little bit slower. First, the L, look, listen, and learn. Got to ask students, students, if you could learn about anything, what would it be? What do you care about? What problem would you like to solve? That is the first step. Look, listen, and learn. Let students come up with their own topic, their own theme, their own problem, and they define it so that they then lead the learning into it. Step two is the A, ask tons of questions. We want students to be just asking all sorts of questions about whatever topic they're going to research, but sometimes they need our help to get going. So a teacher during the ask tons of questions step might provide some question starters to get students going, might give them some you know, sort of formats for how to be asking questions, but we want to encourage students to ask questions about their topic to then drive their learning. The U stands for understand the process or problem. This is when students begin to research. This is when they collect data. This is when they might do interviews. Whatever they can do to really delve into that topic or theme, they need to understand the process or the problem. And that means diving into it, researching, learning about it, collecting data if that would help, so that they really can start to really identify the problem that they're going to try and solve. The N, navigate ideas. Now they've thought about their topic or theme. They've asked questions about it. They've, they've researched it, they've looked into it, they've collected information, and when it's time to navigate ideas, this is when they're brainstorming their ideas. They might work, well, they certainly should work with others to fine-tune their ideas, not just with others that are doing the same project as them, but even running their ideas off other students in the class are doing totally other things just to get their feedback. Eventually, they decide which idea they think will work best. Then they map out their concrete plans for going from idea to actually having a prototype. All of this comes through navigating their ideas. The next step is to create a prototype. This can feel chaotic, but as John Spencer says, but it won't feel out of control. This is when students start building, start creating. They work on their projects. They create prototypes, whatever those prototypes might be. Uh, it was a really cool part of the article where John Spencer says it might seem chaotic, but it's, it's really just becomes this quiet hum uh, because students are so engaged in what they're doing that, sure, they're talking, sure, they're moving, sure, they're trying a lot of different things, but they're engaged, so there's not any problems. It's just this quiet hum of engagement. And the last step, the H, highlight and fix. This is when they have their prototype or have their solution and they get feedback from others. Then they discuss improvements. What's so important here and what's so important in the design process is that students, designers, must continually reflect 
and then take that reflection in order to improve the project. This is the highlight and fix step. When all of this is done, they share their project or their product with an audience. That's a big moment. And that's a real world moment. You know, we gotta we we create solutions to problems and then we go out and we share them with others so that they can take a look at what we've done. It's a lot to think about. I realize genius hour is not easy, upfront at least, but the, the the teachers that have dived into this. They swear by it after they get going because they just feel like they see whole different types of learners in their classes. So let's talk about when. When could we do this? Well, a lot of us are just diving in or just in the middle of state testing. And, you know, after state testing is when motivation for all these students, teachers, administrators, everybody, the motivation is dwindling. That might be a good time to try it. That's a good time to be experimenting. And it might be a good time to try your first genius hour type project. Um, John Spencer also recommends actually opening the year with this type of project. He says that this shows kids right away what your values are. Maybe instead of the first week being just about routines and procedures, we go right into a genius hour project. Now we'll learn what kids are interested in, what they're passionate about, and we'll see how they dive into their work, you know, and, and how they work through roadblocks and all that. And then another question is, how do you do this? Well, you do it very easily by tying it to common core standards. It, it easily ties to inquiry, to research, to presenting, certainly to different types of writing. So I know it's not as easy as just saying, hey, for the next three weeks, I'm going to do a genius hour project. But there are a lot of standards that it ties to. And the common core standards, love them or hate them, actually make this easier to do because you can tie it to that. Another question that might come up is, what about young kids? How do we do this with young kids? Should we do it with young kids? And I got to be honest, I have a friend who is a principal of an elementary school that actually does Genius Hour as a school. The kids love it, and they produce some of their best work during Genius Hour. I asked him, what is the best part of it? And his answer was, it's personalized learning that motivates children through passion projects that they stay committed to, and they persevere through roadblocks. Man, if we can get elementary students persevering through roadblocks, we set them up for a lot of success moving forward. I also asked him, what is the biggest challenge? And he said, the biggest challenge is that children do a lot of online research of articles, videos, and images. So teachers have to really be moving around a lot, really monitoring their screen time, which of course can be challenging. You know, but the more I think about it, the more I read about it and where I've seen it happen, it's really clear that when Genius Hour is done right, with students following their passions and using design thinking, that it teaches them thinking and learning and persevering skills that are going to benefit their future so much. I want to close with a quote right from John Spencer in the article, and I quote, Genius Hour projects are not guaranteed to go smoothly. In fact, they're almost guaranteed to have rough patches. There will be moments of frustration and confusion. Some students will lose motivation and give up too easily. But in the midst of the imperfection, something powerful happens. When students own the learning process, they grow into the reflective, insightful, creative, lifelong learners we believe they can be. Close quote. If that doesn't say it all, Genius Hour, Google does it, a lot of companies do it. It leads to such creativity and innovation. Let's start to try it in small doses with our students. Be brave. Give it a shot. You know, you can follow John Spencer, who has a ton of great ideas, on Twitter, at Spencer Ideas. I hope you have a great week. And if you're about to be out on vacation, enjoy yourself and be sure to get some distance from your work. That is so important. And most importantly, 
Thank you for listening to another Teacher's Cup of Coffee. No more sleeping in bed. I'll wake up now.